Welcome to Strange Familiars. Allison? Yes? How are you? Awake. Awake? Well, that's half the battle. It's more than half the battle. On tonight's show, I'll be talking to not one. I heard this, two guests at once. But two guests. I like doing these interviews because they kind of corroborate each other's stories and give different views and so forth. I really like doing that. I'll be talking with Hazel and Michelle. They have stories that most of them are based around the neighborhood they grew up in. Are they sisters or just friends? Just friends. Okay. A lot of strange stuff was happening in this neighborhood. We've got stories about a black witch, really creepy, weird voice from an answering machine, the cow man, which I kind of wanted to be a Bigfoot, but it sounds like something else. So we'll get to Hazel and Michelle in a moment. First, I want to thank our patrons. Thank you, patrons. Thank you for your support. We could not make strange familiars without you. That's not just something we say. It's absolutely true. Your support allows us to make this podcast. If you like what we do and you'd like to support Strange Familiars and get extra content besides, you can become a patron at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. All of our patrons get commercial-free episodes of the weekly shows, plus two full exclusive episodes of Strange Familiars every month just for our patrons. You can check it out. Go to patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. All right, let's go ahead and get to Hazel and Michelle. I'd like to welcome Hazel and Michelle to Strange Familiars. How are you doing tonight? Great. Fantastic. Thanks for having us. This is so exciting. Oh, thanks for taking the time to do this. So Michelle contacted me first. She said she had these stories that kind of around the, this one neighborhood and house, I guess the house you grew up in, right? Yeah, the majority of my childhood. Mm-hmm. But Hazel, you lived in this house first. Yes, <laughs> for a short <laughs> period of time, but yes. So... You have some stories as well regarding this house. All right. So yeah. it's a house and it's a neighborhood. Yes. That, that's weird. Things are happening in this yes. area. So. Yeah. I would say the whole neighborhood. Okay. That's, yeah. that's very interesting. So these are some of my favorite interviews. There's when we get two people with two perspectives and yeah. we don't often get to do it. So I'm excited about this. So this was in or near Cincinnati. Yes. Yeah. Just a suburb somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like outside of the city, mm-hmm. so very suburbia. Okay. Yeah. What year are we talking about, The roughly, these stories? Oh, I think it spans from the early 90s all the way until maybe the early 2000s. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fairly recent. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're starting with you, Hazel. All right. Well, maybe I should give some context for why I even started talking about it with uh, Michelle. And that was 
because my boyfriend actually introduced me to this show and he loves you very much and so he got me listening to it and one night I was at my old job I worked at a bakery overnight and I was listening to an episode where a person was describing seeing a black witch in the window and I remember having this primal reaction like I stopped everything I was doing my forehead kind of did that thing where you it slicks back and you're just like oh because I had that experience And at the time, I was kind of talked out of it and thought, like, I guess that wasn't a thing that happened. But then hearing someone else have that experience, too, just sort of made all these other things come out. I know a lot of people say that on your show, but when you hear other people went through the same thing you did, you give yourself permission to to think about those things and remember those things. Mm -hmm. And This is very common for the show, and it's one of... You know, I'm not happy people are scared. I'm not happy people are are upset by these things. But I am happy that people are sharing these things and it makes it okay for other people to say, oh, yeah, me too. You know, that mm. aspect I very much like. So sorry to interrupt you. Oh. Proceed. Okay. So I guess I'll start by giving more context to why I was in that neighborhood. So I lived – my mom was a single mom for – a lot of my life and we moved around and at one point I lived in my grandparents house which is just a door away from Michelle's old house so we lived there and my grandma was a pretty magical kind of person <laughs> she's a very proud Norwegian woman I grew up believing in gnomes and elves <laughs> and <laughs> cool. the tree in front of her house like she would tell me there were elves in there and I would talk to them like I thought I was <laughs> talking to elves in the trees so you know grew up with magical thought but also kind of a religious household so there was that aspect as well so then my mom got married and we moved to a like borough close to our neighborhood but not in the same area and um that's where i saw the black witch i was like three years old and We were living in that apartment. I'll just say uh, traumatic things happened there. (laughs) I don't want to go into detail with any of that kind of stuff. I'll say when trauma happened. But But I remember they started to go through a divorce and I was in my room and my mom was the only one home. And I was, I kind of had like one of those beds that was like, a futon that's kind of like the Japanese kind that lays on the ground and I always liked to have it propped up in the back so I kind of like slept at an incline and I was looking kind of toward out towards the window and uh I just remembered seeing the shape of a witch in the window and it was like blacker than black it wasn't like a shadow it was like didn't have any color it was like absorbing light Mm -hmm. it was it was so crazy and I remember screaming for my mom and like telling her and she was just like I think it's just clothes and I'm like it's not clothes (laughs) (laughs) yeah clothes in the window yeah I was like no it it was a witch and and she was like I don't see anything I don't think there's anything there uh I don't think she was intentionally being dismissive or anything I just think that she looked and there was nothing there when she looked but Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's you know, parents' job to calm kids right. down. So, 
when you say it had the shape of a witch, are we talking pointy hat, pointy nose? What gave it away? Yeah, it wasn't like pointy hat. It was like slouchy hat. But like, mm-hmm. it, I knew it was a witch. And this the hair, like I could see the outline of the hair. And it was like scraggly and wiry. And the nose. Mm-hmm. And the hun- hunched over. The blacker than black thing is a... I mean, you know, we hear that a lot on the show. Very interesting detail. And one that you wouldn't have known as a three-year-old, you know. And in fact, I didn't know this blacker than black thing probably until I started doing Strange Familiars. Yeah, I I had never talked about it before with anyone until I heard that because I filed it away. I didn't didn't think about it after that happened. My mom said it wasn't there, so I guess it wasn't there. (laughs) And then... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've known Hazel for almost 30 years, and I just found out about that Witch in the Window story, like, last year. When we, yeah, we're talking about more stuff. So, it's very interesting. It gets more interesting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So then, they got divorced. My mom and her husband at the time. And we Mm -hmm. moved back to my grandparents' house. But then we moved into Michelle's house and we lived there for six months or so. I was around four then. So my mom would have been staying. We were living there with someone who owned the house and my mom would have been staying in Michelle's room and I stayed in the middle room. And I don't know, Michelle, if you want to go ahead and the middle room upstairs was my sister's bedroom. And should I just tell him? I, I guess. Him? I mean, I okay. think that's... <laughs> okay, okay. So I found out, like, within the last five years or so, that my sister also saw a witch in the window in the same bedroom that Hazel slept in when she would... Well, Hazel didn't see the witch in the window when she lived in this house, but it's the same bedroom Hazel slept in. Almost directly after we lived in the other place. Yeah. Oh, that that actually just gave me chills. Yeah. So did your sister describe it? No. It's kind of difficult to explain. I actually didn't hear it directly from my sister. Um, There's a lot of context that's really hard to explain but my sister was hospitalized for mental health reasons and when she was hospitalized I was asking one of her friends questions I don't really know how much I want to share and I know that's a little bit difficult for listeners because it's kind of hard to put all the context together but I just don't really want to share a lot for my sister's privacy but it was sure sure. when I was visiting her in the hospital one of her friends was visiting and I was questioning this guy like I just wanted to find out more information from him about his experiences with my sister because I didn't know him very well and I asked him has my sister ever told you that she has seen things before And he told me that she told him that she saw a witch in her window as a little girl. 
Wow. Yeah. And my sister has told me directly that she has seen things such as like, she said that she can see people's burdens. Like she can see things that are attached to them. Mm, okay. So she has told me that like directly. So if this is an uncomfortable question, we can just edit it out. But a certain number of listeners will say, well, you know, mental health issues, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You know your sister. Yeah. You know, and by your estimation, is this something external she saw? So you can make the call better than the listener is what I'm saying, because you know your sister. I believe that she saw it because I, I believe in the ability to see things. You know, mm -hmm. I think that there are some people that can see things that other people can't see. I believe that 100%. Sure. You know, I am a Christian, and so I personally believe that there are gifts that people have and that they can build upon and grow in. And mm -hmm. so I would say, from my perspective, my sister has the gift of sight. Like she can see things sometimes when you know, she's led to do so. And I think that's a really difficult gift to have. I don't have that gift, but I have had conversations with other people in life who have seen things as well. So I just know that it's something that happens. And sure, yeah. those people weren't mentally, you know, they didn't have any mental health issues. Um, right. Also, I knew the bedroom really well. I knew the window really well. I've thrown stuff out of that window. <laughs> so, like, I know, I know what's outside, and it was a second story window. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. There was no light source between our house and the neighbor's house, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's just the, what gave me chills is the fact that, she said she saw it right after Hazel would have left and it's almost like it was there looking for Hazel oh, that you have no idea like the guilt I feel like it's my fault it's there Aww. like and for what it's worth I believe her I believe her yeah. that she sees things like knowing <laughs> her as a person I don't think that's something that she would say unless it was true yeah, yeah. It's, it's just something we have to address. And Michelle, as you say, some people are, are gifted. I often say, you know, you can hear me say it every two shows probably. I believe it's true in the same way that people are gifted with art or music or something else. People, Some people just have a propensity for these abilities. I don't think it gives them superpowers or anything. It's just like somebody who's good at art or something else. I and I think, yeah. I think other people can probably develop them but it just comes easier for some people. And and I always say, like, for me, art comes easy. Music is a struggle. I have to practice, practice, practice. So yeah, I think it's probably along those lines. Yeah. All right. So sorry about the, the difficult questions, but no, it's uh, good. I know, uh, we should address that. Was there more Hazel when you lived at this house? Uh, at that house, for me, no. Some okay. other things just like that I question now growing up in my grandparents' house, like constantly seeing things out of the corner of my eye or, you know, hearing someone say my name all the time. 
just all the mm-hmm. time. And my grandma mm-hmm. would be like, it's the gnomes. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But, you know, you think about that stuff, and I wish I had kept better track, but I just didn't. I didn't keep good yeah, track of that. Yeah. I did have other things at other points in my life, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. and in the same neighborhood, but not on the same street. Okay. So we're shifting to Michelle. Your family is now in this house. Your sister sees the witch. What else is going on here? Okay. When I was preparing for this show, I was trying to think of where to start. And my mind always started with, well, how did I even get into this stuff in the first place? Because I grew up in a very Christian home. We didn't watch anything scary. You know, I wasn't allowed to watch PG-13 until I was was 13, you know, (laughs) not allowed to say anything, you know, bad, you know, like very strict home. And we didn't talk about ghosts or you know paranormal stuff or anything. It was not something my parents were interested in. It just never came up in conversation. So when I am trying to think, like, when did I start getting curious about this stuff? I It must have been after my first strange experience in that house. And it happened... Very shortly after we moved in, I think I was around seven years old when we moved in. And I just remember waking up in the middle of the night one night, didn't have to use the bathroom. I didn't have a bad dream. I wasn't uncomfortable. I just woke up in the middle of the night and I could hear a man's voice downstairs and For some reason, I could not resist going to look, even though in my mind, I was like, this could be a burglar. He could be a burglar. You know, like I was really scared. Like I was sweating. I could hear my heart pounding in my ears. Like I was holding my breath to listen, you know, so your heartbeat is just like deafening. And I just, it felt like an eternity. I just creeped really slowly down that hallway and then down the stairs And I peeked into the kitchen and there was no one there, but I heard a man's voice and it was coming from the answering machine. And this was back in the day when the answering machines were cassette tapes that you Mm -hmm. rewound and recorded. Oh yeah. (laughs) I remember. And I didn't understand what it was saying. It was not English. I don't know what voice or what language it was speaking. And I was describing this to Hazel as we were going over our stories. It was like, you know how you hear a language and even though you don't speak that language, you have an idea of what part of the world it comes from at least. Like you Mm -hmm. just know. And I could not recognize this language. It was, it sounded like garbledygook language. And then at some point it said my mother's first name. And that scared me. And the message was repeating. It was like, it was like garbledygook, garbledygook, my mom's name, garbledygook, garbledygook, stop. And I was like, 
expecting the tape to like rewind and replay, but it didn't. It just kept repeating the message. And then I thought, well, I'm going to unplug this thing because I want to see if it's going to keep going. So I unplug it. So I unplugged it and it stopped, did not keep going. So in the next morning, I asked my parents at the breakfast table if they had checked the messages yet. And they said there weren't any messages. Hmm. And that was it. That was, there was no more to that conversation. That, oh, that's creepy. So how long do you think it was? So you, you heard it from your bedroom mm-hmm. and you went down. How long total do you think it, it repeated this either phrase, whatever it was? It was not long. It was not long. I would, I mean, I don't know how long it had been going on before I woke up, but mm-hmm. by the, between the time I woke up and unplugged it, it was just a matter of like a minute or two, very short. Wow. Wow. That's creepy. Yeah. Now, now I'm going to throw a wrench in the works. You think it was speaking Norwegian? <laughs> uh, I, I would say no. I've listened to enough Norwegian, but you know, that okay. was almost 30 right. years ago. I have no idea. I let it I miss knew a seven-year-old. This <laughs> <laughs> little Nissa running around in your home. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I will say, um, like Hazel has said, Hazel introduced me to the show and I started listening. And I've listened to every episode. And similar to her reaction with the Black Witch in the window, I have heard some other people say things from time to time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like I've experienced something similar. And there was an episode um, where somebody was talking about magical whispering and how it sounds like a language you don't recognize. And that made me think of my answering machine story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it like guttural sounding or was it no, just more? It wasn't you know? guttural. It just sounded like it's too far away of a memory for me to be too descriptive now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the unknown language with poltergeist accounts will describe it as like guttural, you know, kind of sounding. I was just curious. Well, it's funny you should say poltergeist because like most of the other stuff that happened in that house, I described as poltergeist when I lived there. Like when I was Mm -hmm. living there, I was like, this is poltergeist stuff. But I've heard a lot of people say that poltergeist activity is actually generated by the person like living there. That's one theory. One theory. So for a while I thought it was just me, but... I didn't experience anything paranormal after living in that house, really. So, um, not interesting. That's very interesting. Not in these such concrete ways. Like I've had more spiritual, supernatural experiences, like more related to faith stuff that's happened as mm-hmm. uh, throughout my life, but not like paranormal things. So the first experience I had in the house was the answering machine, and. I'm guessing that's when I started to get curious and had questions. And I remember the first time I learned how to look up a book in the library, I wanted to find books about ghosts because I wanted to find answers. So I guess the second thing chronologically that happened was I heard a residual noise while I was home alone. 
So I was home alone and we lived in a bi-level. This home was bi-level. So the living, like the family room area where the TV was, was below my bedroom. And you know how you know every sound in your house? You just know what every Mm -hmm. sound is. I was alone. My mom was gone. Like she had taken my sister away to a dance lesson. It was just me watching TV. I heard my mother like walking upstairs down the hall to my bedroom. Like she was setting laundry down on my bed and then like walked out of the room. But then I didn't hear the steps continue down the hallway, but my mom's alive and well, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) It doesn't make sense. It wouldn't be her ghost. So I don't know why I heard those residual steps, but that was really strange and it freaked me out. So I called Hazel and I's mutual childhood friend who lived on the other side of me. I called her and I was like, get over here. I was like, I'm so scared. Like I just heard footsteps and I'm home alone. Like come be with me. So she came over and we were sitting on the steps that led to upstairs and I described to her what I just told you and I said I think it was a poltergeist and the second I said that a crash happened upstairs behind us oh wow and we grabbed each other and we were just creeping (laughs) and again it was a sound I recognized though it sounded exactly like our plastic toothbrush holder falling into our sink and clattering, which was very loud. And again, no one's home except me and now my friend. Doesn't make sense that that would just get knocked down without one of us accidentally knocking it down, which again happened all the time. And that's how I knew what that sounded like. So being the 90s kids we were we grabbed the metal vacuum cleaner attachments and we were like hunting around the house trying to find the source of this noise of course the bathroom being the first place we checked and nothing was disturbed we checked i'm not surprised i was gonna guess that the 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 toothbrush holder was in place oh yeah yeah there was nothing Mm -hmm. we even all the way down to the basement where we knew the sound didn't come from we were looking nothing Nothing was disturbed. So that freaked her out pretty well. And then I can't remember if this next thing happened before or after my creature encounter, but there was one time where I was sitting in the living room of that house, which was on the ground floor, like in the front of the home. The picture window looked out into the front yard. I was sitting in the chair and I was Again, my sister and I were home alone this time. I wasn't alone by myself. You know, my sister was there with me, but my mother wasn't home. I was angry. This was a really, like, difficult time for our family because I think at this point my parents had already been divorced, and so my mom was gone a lot more, um, you know, being a single mom and doing what she had to do. So I made my sister and I dinner, and I was angry, and I was just sitting in this chair just kind of brooding, looking out the front window and just kind of spacing out. And I heard a man's voice in my right ear say my name. And it was Mm. right in my ear. I'm talking like I felt 
the air from the lips like brush my ear and it was like he was calling me back to reality like he was you know shown you know in my ear and I said to my sister did you say my name knowing it wasn't her because it was clearly a man's voice and she sounded scared she was like no I didn't. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know, and I just moved on with my life. Those were like the little things that happened. The creature stories next chronologically. <laughs> well, you know, I'm excited for yeah. that. Yeah. So this neighborhood has a creek running through it, and it runs through the general area of town. And we played in that creek every day. I mean, we were always in there, like, almost every day. Whenever it was raining, snowing, whatever, we played in that creek every day. We built a club in the woods. We gave names to all the different sections and, like, claimed it as ours, you know? We had so many great mm -hmm. adventures in the creek and in the woods. And my next-door neighbor, who is... Hazel and I's mutual friend. We all grew up together. She and I were down in the creek. And in the creek, there was like a sewer pipe that extended across the creek, connecting, I guess, the sewer lines from like one section of the neighborhood to the other. So it was just like this big pipe that extended all the way across. And in the middle was a really large concrete circle. I guess it was kind of acting as like a pillar to anchor it in the middle. Mm -hmm. And we always crossed the creek there. You know, we would we had our little path that we always took to get from one place to the other. And we were just standing in, on this circular concrete pad in the middle of the creek talking. I think we're about 13 years old, maybe this point it was a little bit before dinner time but it was still really bright and sunny out warm weather you know standing in direct sunlight and we're just talking gabbing away being teen girls and I saw out of the corner of my eye this little black and white cat like just come out of the it was kind of like a cleared out section of the woods like there weren't really any trees growing there it was kind of like a tall grassy spot that we had named like the fairy area we were like this is where the fairies live interesting yes very interesting and it was a little black and white cat came out into the creek and it walked behind a patch of grass in the middle of the creek and i was like you know oh look a kitty and then this black humanoid figure stood up from behind the grass. It just like boop, popped right up, just like this black shadow man staring right at us, like straight on. And again, this is another one of those black is, I mean, darker than night like blacker than the night sky. Like it was this black, black figure that had no features. 
There were no facial features, no hair, no like genitalia, like no breasts, like no curvature to the figure at all. It was just like this straight, very straight black and white looking figure that had arms, you know, and legs. And it was looking at us like in that moment, it felt like a threat. Like we were terrified, right? Like we were too scared to even scream. We were just paralyzed. We were frozen staring at this thing. How many of you were there? It was just me and one friend. Okay. But you both saw it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And... I remember we turned to look at each other and our mouths were just hanging all the way open and our eyes like as wide as saucers. And then we screamed and she took off. She was gone. Like she took off running back to her house. But I turned to look back and this thing had turned to like keep walking across the creek and go on its way. But it got down on all fours and was walking on all fours, which if you see a grown man do that, it looks odd because their butt is up higher than their head. Mm -hmm. And it was just walking and it kind of walked up the bank and it disappeared into the brush. I couldn't see it anymore, but I could hear it. Like I could hear it rustling and for a brief moment, I saw a patch of brown fur, like before it disappeared behind a tree. Oh, wow. And then I screamed and ran home. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How old were you, roughly? You said teenage. Uh, around. Early teenage. Yeah, I would or... say around 12 or 13. And how did the size of this thing compare to like an adult human? It looked like an adult human. Like maybe a six, like, like a six foot male. Mm-hmm. And it have a normal proportion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Huh. It kind of felt like when it stood up to look at us, and then obviously it was very scary because we didn't know what it was, and it was just like you don't know what you're looking at, and you don't know what it's gonna do. It kind of felt like it was assessing if it was in danger. Like it was kind of like, you know, huh, like I'm looking at you to see if you're a threat and I'm going to attack you if you are. And then it decided we weren't and kept going. Wow. So you didn't see any eyes or anything like that? Just solid black. Yeah. And like I said, it was sunny out. So there was no shadow play. There was no depth to it. Like, you couldn't discern anything on the figure itself. Like, it was just black. Now, in your email, you called him the cow man. Why did he get that name? (laughs) Uh, Because of the cat being black and white, like a dairy cow, like a black and white cow. (laughs) Okay, so even then you associated him with this cat. Yes, yes, because the cat came across the creek and disappeared behind this patch of grass and then the black figure stood up from behind the same patch of grass and we never saw the cat oh yeah oh okay yeah we never saw the cat again and then after it got down on all fours and 
went up into the brush, you know, I couldn't see it for the most part, but I did see like a brown furry piece of it before it disappeared behind the tree and I couldn't see it anymore. And I I assumed it was the brown rear end of like a white tailed deer because I, it looked like I was looking at the top of the back of something. Mm -hmm. It was not walking bipedally or anything. It was like the brown back of a deer was what it looked like that I saw a piece of. And when you look back and and saw it on all fours, it it looked like a human trying to walk on all all fours. Yes. It was really creepy. That is creepy. That is so creepy. Just an interesting note. You asked the friend that was with you to come on as well, and she said she didn't want to talk about it because she's worried she'd see it again if she talked about it. Yes. We have talked about it in the past, like whenever our gang of friends gets together, because we all still know each other. We've like been to each other's weddings and stuff, and you know, we still stay in touch. And there's been times where we've been sitting around the fire and we've talked about it, and the last time we talked about it, she said that she saw a black and white dog, not a black and white cat. Oh, that is fantastically interesting. Okay. Yes. Wow. And that makes perfect sense because her family's a dog family and my family's a cat family. Wow. That is so interesting. Yeah. And she told me that she thinks it's a Wendigo, which I completely disagree with, but... You know, that's what she thinks. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason why she thinks talking about it will bring it back. But I, okay. I don't think yeah. it's a Wendigo, based on what I've read about Wendigos. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I couldn't diagnose exactly what it was, but it seems some kind of shape-shifting thing. Yeah, I definitely... I've been calling it more of a shape-shifter now, <laughs> since it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with a cow. But as a child, we called it the cow man. And, like, when we ran home and told our sisters and our moms and we told everybody in the house, you know, we just called it the cowman. And we, we were always just like, oh, we can see it again, you know. And there was definitely kind of like a heightened sense of paying attention to things between all the kids now. Did you go back and play in that area of the woods? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we still went back there all the time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Never saw it again, no, I guess. No. Wow. That weekend after when I came and they told me what happened, I was so jealous that I wasn't there <laughs> and I didn't get to see it. <laughs> it was really scary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The only other weird thing that happened in that house that I can recall, just to wrap up my experiences in that house, were we went out of town and we asked the family of my friend who saw the cowman with me, we asked them to keep an eye on our house while we were out of town. And my mom had left like specific lights on, you know, like this lamp in the living room's on and my bedroom light's going to stay on. and. You know, she told the neighbor that, like, here are the lights I left on and blah, blah. Well, when we came home from being out of town, we were greeted in our driveway. Like, they saw us pull into the driveway and they came out. Like, the family came out and told us they had seen, like, a man walking around in our house while we were gone. Hmm. And they thought it was a burglar, so they like alerted their stepdad and he like got a baseball bat and went over there and like, you know, he had a key and went in and searched the house and said, I didn't find anyone. And they also said that the lights, like all the lights went off at one point and they had to go back in there and turn them on. And they said that they didn't lose power or anything. Like there was no storm or anything. Mm-hmm. So that was really weird. You know, that's one of those things where it's like, we weren't there. So But the stepdad, you know, who was an adult was like, yeah, you know, he didn't really want to talk about it. He was like, yeah, I went over there. There was nothing there. We were like, okay, Hmm. that's, that's all for that house. So what else went on in this neighborhood? Anything else? Yes, but I don't want to go out of order. Okay. okay. Um, So. So the next thing we had on our list was to talk about the other street yes we we were both there for that so yeah we can both talk about it so we have another mutual friend um in this little gang of gals um who lived on a different street at the other end of the neighborhood and one time we were all over there to hang out and she showed us a spirit board that she had gotten. And I don't remember all the details of where she got it from, but it was not a Ouija board. It wasn't something made by Mattel or whatever. It was a spirit board that had been blessed by somebody. It had like a round, like glass or crystal thing that you moved around with your hands. And there was like an instruction booklet with like how to start seances and like how to do the rituals safely and the the number one rule was to like never break contact with the little crystals glass circle thing that you moved around don't ever let go until you've like said the thing you're supposed to say to like seal it up and like make it make it safe to stop 
doing it. Mm-hmm. We messed around with that thing a few times. I don't remember, Hazel, if I got to play with that. Like, did we all play with that together for the first time, or did you play it with her, like, before me? Like, I don't remember. So, I don't know, because the reason that some of this is hard is because sometimes, uh, I lived in Kentucky at this point, so I would only be here on the weekend. And so, um, some of the time, if I would see that friend, it would just be the two of us. And some of the time it would be the full group. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure when the first time, I don't know if I did it before the group or not. Okay. I, yeah. I know that we did it. We did it outside generally when it was just the two of us. Yeah. So we started this spirit board experience and we were, you know, asking a lot of questions and, you know, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about it because I, I just don't think you know what you're talking to when you're doing these kinds of things. So who knows? Exactly. Who knows yep. what we were talking to or if the answers we got were even real. Mm-hmm. But a very interesting thing that happened was one of the dead people we thought we were talking to said her name was Elizabeth and we asked her when she died and I don't remember the exact year because that was so long ago but it was 1800 something and we asked her how she died and she said she jumped off a bridge I don't remember why the conversation went this way but then she spelled out that she wanted to hurt me specifically like she spelled out my name and then she said that she was in the closet. And oh, that is so creepy. It is creepy. And at that point, we all flew away from the board screaming. So we let go of the little glass crystal thing before doing our like closing ritual. Closing. Yeah. yeah. And that freaked me out that we all like didn't do that. We broke the seal and this dead woman was in the closet and wanted to hurt me and that scared me and we were all screaming and her mom came and took away the board (laughs) she also (laughs) scolded us yeah so we were talking about that in preparation for this and I am close enough that I could go walk over there and see the names on all the gravestones but then I remembered find a grave (laughs) so I could do it from the comfort (laughs) of my own office so I was looking at all of them and I found an Eliza that's close and that's creepy enough, but the thing, it matched the year too, it was 1886 when she died. But the weird part is that, so that street is called Bridges because the, it was like the first family that kind of settled in our area. They were the Bridges family. Mm-hmm. And so her name was Eliza Bridges. Hmm. And yeah, she so there was a cemetery. said she jumped off a bridge. Oh yeah, across the street. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't say that. There was a cemetery across the street from our friend's house. Okay. And like, I know growing up, that same friend would always tell me the weird stuff that would go on in their house with lights and like the dogs getting spooked and causing you know things to fall over and all kinds of stuff like that. And she was pretty sure it had to do with the cemetery across the street. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah. that that's weird. Yeah, it is weird. Yeah. And this this was just last night when she searched the grave website and found that her name was Eliza Bridges. And I was like, well, she said she jumped off a bridge, but maybe, you know, something was lost in translation there. I mean, Elizabeth, in the conversation with the spirit board, Eliza and bridge was spelled out. Yeah, yeah. that seems like a big coincidence. Yeah, and 1800 something. I thought she was born in like the 1700s on the grave. So that mm-hmm. that cemetery is from like the late 1800s in that neighborhood. And that neighborhood was probably developed around the 60s, I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of history right in this little area. Mm-hmm. That was super fascinating. It's quite possible we can find out how she died. That's she was 88. I was wondering. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah she, yeah. Could have been just old yeah hard to imagine an 88 year old jumping off a bridge but, well her right. name was bridge so that's like right she's being tricky. Yeah, yeah 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 i understand yeah well if you have a way tim <laughs> to research or if allison does and you guys want to find out more about eliza bridges i would love to know <laughs> that's i was just going to turn it over to allison honestly she's she's the queen of of that yeah Yes, I think I was done with seances and all that after that. That was pretty scary. Yeah, I mean that—that's not a pleasant ending. But I've—I've I've had, you know, teenagers. They start messing with those things, and I'm not of the. You know, I have people who tell me, "Oh, I won't even have a Ouija board in my house." It's not the board. There's nothing. It's the board is just a board. The problem is, like you were saying, you don't know what you're contacting right. when you contact things. Exactly. And that is the worry with those things. And I've, I've had some really rough stories of teenagers messing with those and uh, things just not going well. So uh, not not that yours was a particularly happy story, but, you know, probably a good thing you didn't continue with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Never look back. Yeah. Actually, I do think that my friend got the board back from her mom at some point, And I think that we did the closing ritual at some point later in time, just to like say we did it. <laughs> yeah. Try to yeah. button it up. Yeah. 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 So really the last paranormal thing I experienced was not in that neighborhood at all, but I used to like to go into abandoned houses for a photography. Me too. <laughs> For a photography class, I thought it was cool to take pictures of abandoned houses for school. Mm-hmm. We had a gang of friends who were pretty curious, and I don't know how these guys found this. Maybe it was through rumors. I never asked how they found this house, but there was a little gaggle of boys that we ran around with at the time, and... They found this abandoned house. I know exactly where it is on the map. Like, I've looked at the Google satellite images and found it. Because, you know, like, when you're a teen and you're riding around your friend's car, you're not driving, you don't really know where you're going, you, you're not even out of the nest yet, you don't know all the names of the roads, and mm-hmm. you don't really know the larger community outside of your neighborhood at least I didn't you know like I had no idea where we were we were just driving around at night in the summer you know being wild listening to loud music and stuff 
but these guys knew where this house was and we parked at a bar that was by a railroad track the railroad track was suspended above the road and we walked up the hill to the railroad track and walked down the track and this was like in the middle of the night (laughs) we walked for a while down this railroad track until there was a road off to the side that led up to a house and this was like a tree covered I'm just going to call it a driveway. I guess it was the driveway. So we're walking through like this tunnel of trees to get up to this house. It was pretty long. And the boys had like ran up ahead of us and they were like throwing rocks, trying to scare us and stuff. And, (laughs) you know, we couldn't see them. Didn't know what we were doing. Didn't know where we were going. And then we get up to the top of the driveway, the trees clear. And then you just see this huge house up against the night sky and it had three chimneys. I remember that it was like a big white farmhouse. And I guess this was an abandoned house that people used for various things. And I was just like, this is the mother load, you know, like this is awesome. And It was very weird, though. It looked like the family just up and left. Like, everything was still in there. There was, like, a baby grand piano in this large sitting room off to the right when you first stepped in. And the kitchen still had the kids' ceramics projects from school on the counter. And all their mail was just piled up in the floor in front of the mail slot. And, you know, there was books on the shelf, you know, like there was just still stuff there and it just looked like they up and left. That's another thing that I remember one of your interviewees talking about when they were describing and must've been an abandoned house. They explored how it just looked like the family up and left. And I actually made note of that. Um, that might've been me because we found one okay. the bowl of cereal was still on the okay. table. I mean, it was, and the newspaper was still open to, I assume, whatever day these people left. Yeah. In the, I think it was the 1970s or, or 60s. I forget now. Okay. And it was just, everything was just dusty and dirty and stuff, but it was, it just looked like they just walked out the door. Just, yeah. it, it was bizarre. Yeah. yeah. So that's, it was very bizarre. Okay. So yeah, I must have been you. That sounds like that cereal bowl of details ringing a bell. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we were all just, you know, spreading out throughout the house, exploring. There's some weird stuff in there. Like, clearly some really (laughs) not okay things were happening in that house. I went down to the basement. (laughs) I'm just laughing now because I would never do something like this now. Yeah, no, I I, I was crazy. I I worry about falling through the floor and stuff when I was a kid. Just whatever. Just walk right in. Oh, my gosh craziness no fear so I go down to the basement by myself and this was like a dirt floor cellar with like you know mason jars on the wall with that had like rotten canned jarred things and kind of like in the back room there was kind of like a a wall down there that separated the space from where you first came down the steps 
like this back room. I walked into the back room and there was like a folded, like a folding table piled high with Reader's Digest from like 30 years. And I was like, look at this treasure trove of Reader's Digest. This is so cool. Look at all these 60s illustrations and stuff. But I was there to investigate, I think. And I had my flashlight up by my face and I asked, you know, is anyone there? Like, do you want to talk to me or, you know, is there anyone here, you know? And I kind of saw like this mist. It kind of looked like what your breath looks like when it's cold, but it wasn't cold. It was like the summer and my mouth was closed, you know, like I was waiting, listening for a reply. And after I saw that mist, everybody else in the house started screaming and running out of the house. And that scared me. So I ran out the basement stairs, joined them outside. And I was like, what's going on? What's going on? They were like, all our flashlights just turned off. Like, all at the oh. same time. And then we left. Like, that was scary. <laughs> but I... Um, tried going back to that house again with a different group of people, but that didn't work out. And I ended up finding out that that house was torn down. So it's not even there anymore because I wanted to find it on Google maps. So I looked and I found the railroad track in the bar, but the house is gone. Mm. So that, that was that experience. (laughs) I can't imagine like you're in the basement alone, which first of all, brave and then just everybody runs out while you're in the basement yeah i would have noped out of there so quick oh i did i flew up those stairs <laughs> i was terrified because they were all screaming too and i didn't know what happened so wow my flashlight was fine mm-hmm. it was weird yeah but they were scared like and these are you know boys that kind of you know were a little naughty and got up to no good and they were they were freaked out they were freaked out. Hmm. I uh, wonder at my bravery. I went into an old tuberculosis hospital. Oh, no. Abandoned. And I'm messing around in there. Just and It was for the same thing, high school photography. I'm just taking pictures. And there was a raccoon either dead or asleep in the middle of the floor. Oh, you and a raccoon. And I all but... Yeah, I all but poked it with a stick. I, I got up as close as I could to take pictures of it and stuff. Now I'm thinking, what what were you doing? <laughs> like, like, what was I even doing? Like, an old tuberculosis, that seems like a good place to break into. Well, if we have time, I'll just tell a quick another abandoned house story that has nothing to do with ghosts, but it's or paranormal stuff. But if we have time, I'll tell it really quickly. My dad lived in Indianapolis after my parents got divorced. There was a lot of driving back and forth between Cincinnati and Indianapolis. And on one of those trips, I was alone with my dad. My sister couldn't come for some reason. And my dad really liked to take long detours to the country, I think just to prolong our time together. And he knew that I liked to go into abandoned houses and take pictures. And so he kind of started doing some photography himself, 
stopping and taking pictures of like dilapidated barns and things like that in the country. And while we were driving, we drove past this house on state route nine in Indiana. My dad was like, look at that cool house. Like, let's go check that out. And I was like, okay. So we pull up into the driveway and this property is just littered with garbage. I mean, tires, refrigerators, lots and lots of bleach bottles everywhere. I'm talking hundreds of bleach bottles specifically all over, like the backyard, the side yards, all around the house. We walk around the left side of the house, like we're walking down the left side of the house and there's the back kitchen door on the left side. There's no door, but it's like the doorway entry to like the back kitchen area. And the floor had caved in, like there was a big hole in the middle of the floor. And there was a, I'm just going to do like a little disclaimer here for any sensitive listeners that what I'm about to say next is a little bit disturbing. And if you want to skip forward like 15 seconds, I would do that now. It has to do with animals. So there was a decapitated dog carcass laid across the threshold of the back door. And we still stepped over it to go inside. And we walked around the perimeter of this hole and went into the next room. And there was like a skillet on a stovetop thing on the floor. And I was like, we got to go. I was like, people are cooking mess here or something. So we got to get out of here. And so we left, and when we came back around the side of the house where we could see the driveway, there was a pickup truck parked next to my dad's car. Oh, geez. With two very large men in the front seats and a little tiny boy in between them, and they were pissed. And... My dad hands me the car keys behind his back, and he was like, you're going to get in the driver's seat, and you're going to go. And I was like, okay. And my dad was put on this happy face, like, hi, guys. Like, what's up? You know, like, just trying to be, like, jolly and polite. I don't remember if they got out of the truck or not. I don't think they did. I think they just kind of had their window down. They were like, our friend who lives in Florida owns this property and he doesn't appreciate trespassers. We keep an eye out for him. And like, what are you doing? My dad was like, oh, you know, we just like exploring abandoned houses and just doing some like photography. And I was like, why did you tell them we took pictures? Wow. You know, they let us go. You know, we were able to get back in our car and leave. But as we're driving away, I was like, dad, they could have had a shotgun or a gun on their lap and we couldn't have seen it. And my dad was like, so freaked out. He felt terrible. He was like, oh my God, like, I can't believe 
I put you in danger like that. And we just kind of had a freak out moment. But yeah, that was the last time I did an abandoned house thing. Yeah, that could have gone any number of ways. Yeah. But, uh, yes. Th- thankfully, it did not. Yes. So. Yes. The decapitated dog is just so weird. That's like such a weird, yucky addition. I think it was a warning, you know? It was mm. laid across the threshold, like, don't come in here. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. Yeah. We were shopping for houses before we bought the one we currently live in, and we were looking at one, and it was in pretty rough shape, but not, not so rough where it couldn't be fixed up. But there was... Uh, I, <laughs> I looked in the window, and there was Sudafed boxes, containers, wrappers of Sudafed just all over the floors of this house, just everywhere. And I'm like, nope, we cannot live here because they were making meth here. And who knows who's going to knock on your door at three in the morning. Yeah. Like, nope. We'll choose another house. Well, it's not safe to live in there with all of the toxins that have absorbed into the drywall and things like that. If they were yeah. Cooking. yeah. Yeah. Especially with kids. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And that's abandoned house chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My new podcast, Abandoned House. I've never had a bad experience with abandoned houses. I always had great experiences. Yeah. Really? I have, like, right behind me, you can't see it because the door's shut, but I have a big hex sign I took from a apple farm. <laughs> <laughs> I just have, like, the fondest memories. I didn't I didn't expect that turn. My older brother, my brother Chris, who's, who's deceased, he was the king of abandoned houses. He oh. would take me into abandoned houses all the time. He would, I don't know how he found them all. He would just find them everywhere. And he'd just be like, come on, let's go see this, this abandoned house. And we'd just be driving. And he'd be like, let's, come on, check this place out. He always knew where they were. It's sort of like knowing how people are when they're not being, they're, they're not being watched. It's like just for themselves, like seeing that kind of stuff, it's like a little slice of life. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Last one I went into was uh, actually at uh, Site 7, and it, it was another one that looked like it was just a little, like, Cape Cod, little little house, and it looked like they just picked up and moved. Oh. They just, there was kids kids' toys laying around and magazines in, in the house and stuff. There's just, an abandoned you know. house at Site 7? Right outside okay. of it, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That place just gets creepier and creepier. Yeah, there's something, something about it. All right, so getting back to Hazel. Okay, well, during the teenage times, well, in like preteen times, I lived far away. I lived in Kentucky. So like I mentioned before, I only saw them on the weekends. But I had kind of some crazy stuff happen in Kentucky too because Kentucky's a weird place. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) So, Well, I was still hanging out with them. I was doing a bunch of stuff on my own. I was starting to kind of get into things I probably shouldn't be getting into. Definitely wasn't allowed to. Would get myself into trouble. <laughs> I was really into automatic writing. And like mm-hmm. both like artistically and, you know, what people think is like scripting for ghosts and things. But mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. be trying to do that all the time. But uh, there was one night I had a basement room where we lived in Kentucky and I was like laying in bed and I was unable to sleep and I kept hearing a really weird sound and it was like over and over again and then it would stop and then it would start again. It was really starting to freak me out. So finally I got up and I turned on the light. I had like this remote control control Jeep 
that I would drive around down there because there was a big like my room was attached to the room with the washer and dryer and it was concrete floor in there. So I would drive it around and like ramp it and do all kinds of stuff. Anyway, the point is the Jeep was making noises and the wheels were turning even though it was on its side. So I was like, that's really weird. So I took the battery pack out of the bottom and I turned it off, made sure like whatever I got back in bed. And of course it started going again after I had taken the battery pack out. And so I like waited because I thought like, I don't know, is there like reserve, like, is there any kind of reserve inside of it? It just kept going, but it would be like in increments, like it would be silent and then let me feel safe long enough and then start again. Like, so finally, like I turned on the light and I ran upstairs and I went outside in the back and I threw it in the garbage can. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going to have any of that. My mom like heard me doing this and came downstairs and she was just like, what are you, what is going on? It was a lot of little stuff like that. And actually that was one of the things like when Michelle was talking about poltergeist activity, I kind of thought like maybe that could be my own energy because it was like, you know, Mm -hmm. coming into my self around those times Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah i mean that's the prime time yeah so you know it could have been that but either way it's weird and when you're experiencing it you don't like it (laughs) Mm -hmm. right yeah okay so then fast forward my mom gets married again and this person adopts me and we move back into the neighborhood that my grandparents live in so we're back in the place and there's one night where there were a lot of like heavy things going on. And one of the things was that one of the people in my family died. <laughs> he fell off his boat and he died. And that was like something that we were all kind of sitting with. There were other, some kind of other heavy things that are personal for people. So I won't say them, but I was coming home really late, like really close to my curfew. And I'm walking up to my house and across the street, I live in a cul-de-sac and I thought I saw my neighbor's dog outside and he was a black dog so I called him and then this dog starts to come to me but it doesn't have legs (laughs) and it's all black blacker than black just like the witch and it's like coming at me faster than I expected this other dog Jake to come at me it wasn't Jake because there were no legs and no eyes and so Mm. I like ran up my hill to the house and I turned around and there was nothing there I'm just like didn't know what to do with that at all. Scary. And I remember at the time I tried to tell my boyfriend and he was like asking me questions about it and it just made me feel crazy. So I was just like, never mind, just never mind. (laughs) I guess it didn't happen. Oof. So then fast forward a few more years, same house, more stressful situations happening. I'm sleeping. And I should have mentioned this earlier. I've always been a very active sleeper. Like all the women in my family kind of talk in their sleep. (laughs) I used to have reoccurring dreams all the time. And I know weird stuff happens in sleep. I have really bizarre dreams. I'll remember them for a really long time and everything like that. So anyway, I'm having this dream. I'm waking up and... (laughs) You know how sometimes when you're waking up, you 
have that thing. I think people call it like Alice in Wonderland syndrome or something like that, Mm -hmm. where you feel like big and then you feel small and then you feel big and it's just kind of weird. Yeah. I'm feeling like that and I'm like not all the way awake, but I know like mentally I am. And then I see this shadow person in my door (laughs) and then I feel something on my bed starting at my feet pushing down on my body coming up Mm -hmm. all the way to my chest and just like full weight of a man on my chest and I couldn't breathe and it just like was close to me and I'm trying to scream for my mom (laughs) and I can't get anything to come out because I'm having sleep paralysis Mm -hmm. and I can't wake up my body and finally I think I was like (laughs) and she like Mm -hmm. came in because their room was next to mine and they finally heard me, but I was just so freaked out and I was trying to explain to her what happened. And I was like, say the Lord's prayer. <laughs> Cause I didn't know what else. I didn't know what sleep paralysis was at the time. It's terrifying when you, well, it's terrifying anyway, but when you don't know what it is, mm-hmm. it's so frightening. Yeah. So, you know, after a while I'd be kind of afraid to fall asleep because <laughs> I didn't want to have it again. Did it happen more than once? Yeah, it didn't happen where I saw a person, though. Like, I would have the feeling of someone being on me and, mm-hmm. like, not being able to breathe, but I wouldn't see anything after that point. Mm-hmm. And I kind of learned how to sort of jumpstart myself so that I wouldn't... I'm a really touchy sleeper now, like, everything wakes me up. And I think it's because of that experience, because I don't mm-hmm. want to be so deep that I can't bring myself out yeah. of it. Yeah. Michelle, have you ever experienced sleep paralysis? I have not. I've had recurring dreams and I've had a few extremely vivid dreams that I have remembered my whole life. But no, no sleep paralysis. Thank God. I've had a couple of like night terrors where I woke up like I was screaming in my dream and I woke up like I woke up screaming and it was crying. Mm-hmm. But I've never been paralyzed, no. How close do you both live to the old the old uh, stopping grounds, the old neighborhood? I'm currently in the same neighborhood. Oh, okay. But I did want to add one more thing to that sort of thing. The person who was the parent of our friend who lived next door, when we were like 10 or something, she was telling me that she had sleep paralysis, but she wasn't saying sleep paralysis. And she had an experience in the house right next door to Michelle's house of Mm -hmm. sleep paralysis. And she had it more than once. I know she would talk about it (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I just didn't know what it was until recently. And then I put it together like, Oh, she was having sleep paralysis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of other things happened in their house too, that I know about one time we came home from school and there was a dead black bird inside their living room. All the windows were closed. All the doors were closed. Their chimney had like glass doors on it that were closed, like their fireplace. And I remember they were all freaking out because they were like, that's a bad sign, like a bad omen or something. And we were all just like freaked out about this dead black bird that was in the middle of the floor. And the other thing that was weird that happened was Somebody took a picture, and this was back with, like, disposable cameras, you know, that you had to go get developed and stuff. I don't know why they were taking pictures, you know, like, who knows. But they had taken some pictures, and 
when they got the pictures back from the developer, there was a photo of the living room, you know, with people in it, you know, just like a, it was just a candid moment of whatever was going on. But the television in the photo, the screen was showing their grandpa who had died like recently. Oh, wow. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. He died like suddenly he was in a, um, like, like a, one of those like ATVs. He had like yeah. an ATV, he had a four like, wheeler accident, a four wheeler and broke his neck. Mm. Yeah. So he, he died like really recently. And it was like after he died that they, he appeared on the television in their picture. Do you remember that, Hazel? Do you remember seeing that picture? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about it until now. So while we've been talking about like preparing, because we've been talking for a while about if we want to come on the show and talk about our stuff. And as we've had conversations over the years, we are just like, what is going on with this neighborhood? Like, <laughs> What happened here? Like, what was this land before this neighborhood was developed? What happened on this street? Because all of our families were experiencing things. I just, it's just this, you'll never have answers. You'll never have answers. Yeah, I mean, the best you could hope for, I don't know if you even want want to hope for it, but the best that you're likely to find is other records of other people experiencing weird stuff there and you go okay this is this happened to more than just us yeah but the wise you know you'll probably never know right you know there you said there's a creek there's i mean in my experience there's often a creek that's like one of the things i ask you know the other thing i would ask like if you'd like you called me like hey do a paranormal investigation in this area is there any place where people are digging into the ground nearby mines uh quarries anything like that <laughs> There's the jumps. I well, I wasn't sure if that would count. <laughs> it probably doesn't count. You know, like BMX bike jumps. Oh, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Michelle and Hazel, thank you so much for sharing your stories. If anything else happens, please contact me. I hope it doesn't, but you'll be the first <laughs> outlet. No. <laughs> All right. Pleasure talking to you, Tim. Thanks so much for the space to share our personal experiences. We love the show. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. September 12th, 1938. Stamped on the back of this photo, Allison. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to ask you when it's from. It's from September 12th, 1938. <laughs> It is an appropriately spooky photo of a tombstone. It is. Can you check the name on that for me real quick? See what you think it says. This seems like a something I would ask you. Where am I looking even for the name? Up at the top? What does that say to you? Well, I don't know. What do you think it says? Hyman back. <laughs> is that the name on the is I can't the name even on the see. Where, point to where you see the name. Here. Okay, let me look. I can't. You can't suppose. I can't make anything. Oh, okay, now I'm starting to see it. It's one of those, it's like a magic eye thing. <laughs> yeah, that's Hyman back. <laughs> I feel like the price just went up. <laughs> now, do you think that's why they photographed this back in 1938? 
They were like, ha ha, I'm in back. No, I think it was probably a relative, but no, I think they were, they were, they, it was all for the lulls. <laughs> it's okay. So <laughs> it is a spooky photograph. It though. is. It's, it's very moody sort of, you know, yeah. gothy. Like that is why I bought it initially. Yeah. Hmm. But now that I, I was like, oh, what, what's the person's name? Hyman Back. Hyman Back. Well, you know. I've heard of Hollerback Girls, but. All right. <laughs> this will be our Curiosity <laughs> of the Week, and it just came, became curiouser. It, it does, and I think I'm going to have to look on Find a Grave since we have it and see, see the, the backstory here. Yes. The backstory of Hyman Back. So the listeners just heard this. You haven't because you didn't hear the interview. There was a Find a Grave discussion in the interview with. A woman's name that they wanted me to ask you to look up and see if you could find the way she died. And I forgot to do that. Oh, well, here we go. So we will look that up. And if we find anything interesting, we'll report back. Okay. Yeah, because this person, I mean, with that name and this death date, I'm thinking there's... Yeah, you'll be able to find that person. There shouldn't be too many people. The other one we have a location for and everything. Oh, okay. That should make it even easier. All right. If you go to the show notes for this episode, you will see an image of this creepy gravestone with the interesting name on it. If you click that, it'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can purchase that and other curiosities of the week. Also at Etsy, the Flowered Path t-shirts are in. They have been selling extremely well. I'm very, very happy with the way those have been selling. The sales of the T-shirts seem to be disproportionate to the downloads we get on that <laughs> podcast, which I'm happy about. I'm not complaining. You can but, like things just for the art, too, I think. Yeah, maybe people are just digging the like, logo. The design's pretty cool. Yeah, But those are in there. I think at this point, I think we still have all sizes small through 2X. There might be one 2X left right now, though. The 3X is sold out immediately. The other sizes, we only have a few of each. So if you want a Flower Path T-shirt, go grab one now. But we have Strange Familiars t-shirts there. We have Strange Familiars patches and stickers. All of my books are there. We just got restocks of my books, so everything's in stock. If you order them from us on Etsy, I will sign them. You don't even have to ask. They'll arrive signed. I still have a few copies of Monsters Under the Hospital Bed, my little like art zine I did when I was recovering from my MS attack. But we're getting down to the last copies of that, so people might want to pick that up. You can get artwork at Etsy, both originals and prints, and more. Our shop name is Lost Grave. But if you type in Strange Familiars, you should see our stuff come up. Chad's on Etsy. Ruck Rabbit Outdoors is his shop. And our friends at Karmic Garden are as well. Nicole from Karmic Garden sent me a screenshot of someone, a, a review someone left. They bought the Strange Familiar soap. Mm-hmm. And it said something like, if Tim smells this good, no wonder his podcast is doing so, is so good or something like, I don't know. I forget the actual quote, but if we, I found it quite humorous. And you're, you go ahead and make a comment about how I smell now. <laughs> <laughs> I had prepared something that mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I've decided to just lock it down. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Supporting us on Etsy is another way to support the show besides Patreon. So thank you to everyone who purchases items from us on Etsy. It all helps keep this machine running. All right, Allison, anything you'd like to add? Nope, I'm good. All right. Happy Easter to those who celebrate it. Happy spring to everyone. And we'll be back soon with more Strange Familiars.
Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Color Arts. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to hear more or purchase music by Stone Breath, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. I believe it's Bandcamp Friday this week. So if you purchase something, Bandcamp gives all the money to the artist. It's a great time to support any artist you like on Bandcamp. Great, great service for musicians. Bandcamp. Love Bandcamp. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash Strange Familiars. You can join the Strange Familiars gathering group there. We are on Instagram at Strange Familiars, one word. And you can find us on the web 24-7 at www. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Strangefamiliars.com. Yes, you got it. Strangefamiliars.com.
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.